0: This episode of Where To Begin With features heavy spoilers of the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from 2005. If you have never seen this movie before and you want to take part in this series by submitting in a review, then hit stop right now, go away, check the movie out and submit your review in for the next episode. However, if you've seen it before or you just don't care about spoilers, just hang on. Don't see you weren't warned. Let's go. Hurry up.
1: It's not my fault. Just shut up and run. Hold it right there.
0: Harry was a small-time crook. Oh boy. Till he opened the door.
1: Oh no, no, we're not ready for your audition. Just
2: take him. He's ready. You're ready, right? To a really big break.
1: Quit acting like the good guy. You got your partner killed. You killed him. Ah!
2: See, this is what I'm talking about. Old school method. Get me Gabe Perry on the phone.
1: But he'll need a real cop. Detective lessons tomorrow for your acting. Oh, you're the uh, consultant. If he wants to act the part. he must be gay Perry. Still gay? Me, no. I just like the name so much, I can't get rid of it. Bye, bye.
2: So what do you do? I'm a private detective. She thinks I'm a detective. Of all the idiot things to do. Bye,
1: bye. My sister, my sister. Are you going to help me?
2: i got to check my schedule. Can you help me, Harry?
1: Because you're not going to help me to find somebody else. Sometimes I have other... My caseload is is
0: pretty... Thank you.
2: From Shane Black, the creator of Lethal Weapon... Do not play detective.
1: Moron. Go home before the bad guys. Do something bad to you. Ah!
2: Two corpses in three hours. I mean, that's unusual, right? Yes. Comes a mystery.
1: It's a frame-up. First things first. Do you have the corpse? I, I got rid of it. You threw it away. Yeah. Look up idiot in the dictionary, you know what you'll find? A uh, picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot.
2: Ow! That starts with a kiss. Why'd you lie to me? It was an excuse to stay around you, so I mean, I think... Ow! Did I
1: just cut off your finger? Yeah.
2: It's on the floor, pick it up. Pick it up. And ends with a bang. Where is the girl? <gasps> you you put you a mind? live round in that gun. Oh, yeah, there was like an 8% chance. Hey, who taught you no. math? Hey! <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. What, oh, do you think I'm stupid? Val Kilmer. Yes, I think you're stupid. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Oh, hell. Kiss me. What?
0: Kiss
1: me. No, no, no. No, no, no. no, no. Oh, <laughs> These lessons suck.
0: and welcome back to another episode of where to begin with this is season number three this is episode number eight and we're looking at kiss kiss bang bang as part of season three's motus operandi of doing a little bit of that film noir and neo-noir action now the reason i've chose kiss kiss bang bang i know some of you out there might be thinking to yourself duncan We still have so many heavy hitters in the genre to deal with. Why are you sidetracking us with this comedy? Well, first and foremost, you kind of answered that question. We've already looked at some movies that kind of do things tradish. We've looked at some movies that maybe are a little non-linear with their narrative. We've even looked at some movies that are the template to which all film noir has followed. And on top of that, some modern examples of experimentations within the genre, just in different settings, that kind of feels like if you want the full experience of what the genre kind of has to offer, then inevitably you're going to have to put it into an unfamiliar category. That would be the comedy aspect. Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a surprisingly smart movie, which shouldn't surprise anyone because the screenplay adaptation of the original novel by Brent Halliday is done by Shane Black. Shane Black is a kind of powerhouse in kind of modern cinema. I mean, he's done action, he's done comedy, he's done superhero movies. And he it seems to have this innate ability to write dialogue, which can only really be delivered at the quick, pithy pace of one Robert Downey Jr., um, who, when he was doing this movie, was coming basically back from his apology tour, uh, heavily addicted to alcohol and drugs. This was kind of him making his first foray back into larger movies and would, soon after this movie be cast as Iron Man and that kind of is all she wrote his career hasn't really stopped since then as an incredible cast though you've got Robert Denny Jr. being joined by Val Kilmer you have Michelle Monaghan you've Dash Mikkel Larry Miller Shannon Samosum uh, we have Angela Linville we have Rotman Dunbar and a various plethora of other faces that you will have seen in things before The synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb Is after being mistaken for an actor, a New York thief is sent to Hollywood to train under a private eye for a potential movie role. But the duo are thrown together with a struggling actress into a murder mystery Now the clever thing about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is how it breaks down the pulpiness of the original novels. So what you get here is an Inner narration which carries you through the movie, and a knowing tell to the fact that this will follow the format of the books to which this movie owes its existence. The 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 kind of setup, the the switcheroo, the false leads, the red herrings, the ultimate reveal. But it's kinda done in a far quicker pace. And a lot of that's to do with the writing, but a lot of that is to do specifically with the way Robert Downey Jr. performs in here. It has a great leading three. Uh, Michelle Monaghan, Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. are incredible together. Really, really, really good. Specifically, Val Kilmer and um, Robert Downey Jr. who have this... I mean, if you did not know, you would have thought they were friends for years. It just is a very organic, natural uh, kind of rapport with each other. The movie is not particularly long. You're sitting at about an hour and 40, but it does manage to hit all the beats of a film noir. And it does it concisely, smartly, and to the point the beauty of it is if you have watched a lot within the genre you kind of know where things are going this is not a movie that reinvents the wheel or even its twist ending isn't exactly necessarily twist ending if anything it keeps adding textures that you have seen done before in other movies but once again handled very very well to the point that as you are working your way through it you're having a lot of fun doing it that to me is the the hallmark of a smart adaptation when you are specifically getting things and it's kind of the same way like a movie like Clue works when you sit and watch that it has the old house on the hill feel you know the kind of the good old-fashioned oh like there's been a murder and we need to solve who it is but could be anyone who arrived in this old mansion at the end of the night and chances are you'll play along with it try to work out who was behind it but more importantly the the bit that you'll enjoy most is the fact that the comedy plays off your expectations and that's I mean that is not always easy to do without getting a bit of eye rolling action when you're watching it but this one manages to toe that line really 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 well in a way which just genuinely makes me smile you don't expect it this movie shouldn't work as good as it does. Let's put it that way. It really, really, really shouldn't. But it does. And it never at any point feels like it's poking fun at film noir at all. If anything, it feels like what it's doing is understanding that there is a love for the you know, the genre itself, and kinda leans into that. John Ottman does the score, and it is everything that you want. It is bluesy, saxophony, jazzy action. Um, it, it as a playful kind of flourishes, got that big orchestra feel, but at the same time, uh, it has all the, the, the kind of mystery and mystique that you want from a score to a film noir. Like, you could transpose this almost onto a much more serious film, but it would still work, which is, once again, not easy to do. Robert Downey Jr. really kind of cemented himself as remember that guy sort of actor from the back of this one and like I said before it kind of resurrected his career in a weird way that's not to say it was only this movie but certainly this movie gave a heads up Um, and you know like I said before his career has, has kind of flourished since he would rejoin with Shane Black in Iron Man 3, which kind of feels like the Iron Man version of this movie. Once again, super fast dialogues, very pithy, very quick. Um, wasn't an overly successful movie though. It made back its budget worldwide, but didn't like didn't, you know, turn heads at a fast pace. And I think it's because. All the stuff I enjoy about it are all things that do rely on people having a kind of interest in this sort of stuff. Having a bit of knowledge in the war, having a little bit of fun with it to land a lot of the jokes out with that. there's nothing to really differentiate this from a kind of buddy cop movie that you will have seen before. And there was plenty around 2005. God, how many rush hours had we had by then? So, yeah, there's a bit of that to take into consideration as well. I think it's really great. I, I don't think it's the best. By any stretch of the imagination, but it's fun, it's very well written, it's expertly paced, it's got a great score and great central performances, and what more can you really want from a movie that is a new well, a neo-noir, film noir comedy? I don't know, I don't know. An unusual pick for sure, but I'm super interested to see where you guys land with it. Before I give you the details though on where you can get in touch and what your deadline dates are for your reviews, last month we did Blood Simple, a fucking icon to me in the genre, generally a movie that I, you know, I would put up there amongst the best movies I've ever seen. But after me giving you the reviews, it's important to hear what you guys made of it. So I'm opening the floor. It's time to get to the listener reviews of Blood Simple and let's start where we always start. With our good buddy Tim Walker and Tim Says. Dear Duncan and Teapot's Collective People. Next up in where to begin with film noir is the Coen Brothers' first film Blood Simple. Even though it came out in the mid-80s, I never heard of it until the mid-2000s. I saw a clip of it on Bravo's 100 Scariest Movie Moments. I forget what number it was at, but it looked like a decent thriller. For whatever reason, I never saw it until now. Other than Raising, Arizona and No Country for Old Men, I haven't seen any of the Coen Brothers films. I like those two okay, but I can't begin to call myself a big fan. What did I think of Blood Simple? Well, I did like it, especially the cinematography and the ending. Throughout the film, I kept saying to myself, they must be big fans of Argento and Tenebrae in particular. The movie just looked like that. Maybe with a little more colour added, but still... That's a prominent feature of Italian horror too, isn't it? I will say the Coen brothers did a good job of taking that aesthetic and making it noir and American as well. This movie is as American as apple pie. The plot isn't too complex to be sure, but it doesn't have to be. The acting is top-notch of course, the score is excellent and I loved the very suspenseful ending. There really isn't much wrong with the movie. I will say that despite it being done pretty well, I'm not sure how often I'd be returning to it. It's a bit more of a suspense thriller than horror and a love triangle aspect that doesn't really do that much for me. That's actually an issue that I have with some of the early Giallo films, like some of the early Lindsay ones. The love triangle stuff just doesn't do much for me. There needs to be a bit more menace. The strange vice of Mrs Ward pulls it off with a love triangle or rectangle actually because it's Edward Fenich so it wouldn't be into her. Anyway, this is still a good movie. I'd give it three and a half stars. In the meantime, I say to my T-Bucks collective people, take care, stay safe and never make a deal with a big slimy Texan. Sorry Texans, but you know it's true. Tim. Thanks very much, Tim. I'm super excited that that was your first viewing of the movie. And I would be curious if more Coen Brothers movies connect with you. They definitely have a darker streak earlier in their career. Like, It surprises me that you've never seen Fargo, and that is a movie I would definitely recommend you bump up on your list. Fargo is fucking mind-blowingly good, uh, for sure. Okay, let's continue this a good time a-rollin' rollin'. Rolling. Uh, the next one is a voice one. It's from an, a new person joining us in here on the Putts Collective for a little bit of this action. This is from Christine Remington. She recently started listening to podcasts under the stairs, recently started submitting into Movie Club, which we've now closed down the doors of, but obviously heard that she could two over here to get in with the action. So, this is Christine's review of Blood Simple.
2: Hi Duncan, this is Christine Strau. Hope you and your audience are doing well. I am setting this in about the 84 film Blood Simple, written by Joel and Ethan Cohen, starring Francis McDermott, M. Emmett Walsh, Dan Hayaday, and John Getz. It's a great example of the film neo-noir style where bad people do bad things, Decent people get caught up in the mess and we as an audience are never sure what is going on or who we can believe. Most importantly, we learn life lessons to close your damn curtains. When Abby comes, chooses to have an affair with Ray and then chooses to leave Marty, this kicks off in a series of events that goes off the rails pretty quickly. Marty hires a detective, Lorne, played by M. Emmett Walsh to track his wife and then later to kill her and her boyfriend who also happens to work for Marty. There are many misdirections starting with the application that the couple has been killed when the detective breaks into the house and steals Abby's gun but when the detective returns for his payment he kills Marty and you're left wondering what is going on. After you find out the couple is still alive, I truly believed at this point that Abby was working with the detective to kill Marty. We have a great scene before Marty's death where he shows up at, shows up and attacks Abby and then tells Ray that Abby cannot be trusted and to watch out for her because when she is caught in a compromising position, she will always claim her innocence. This puts the idea into our minds and in Ray's minds that she cannot be trusted. When Ray finds Marty's dead body, he assumes Abby has killed him. Out of love for her, he hides the body. As Ray is trying to dispose of the body, which is not completely dead, there's one issue after another that really builds the tension in this movie. Ray, the spineless wonder, can get rid of a dead body for the woman he loves, but he can't seem to finish him off when he realizes he's still alive, but yet he has no trouble burying him alive. As the scenes play out between Abby and Ray when he returns, I questioned everything she said, her reactions, Believing that she was the murderer working with, or not the murderer, but I believe she was working with the murderer, the detective, and that she was setting Ray up to take the fall. The movie then goes to Abby's new apartment where it plays out in a surprising ending. Ray is killed because, of course, the curtains aren't shut by the detective, and then the t- detective breaks into the apartment to finish to wrap up all the loose ends. He'll need to kill Ra- Abby to get away with this. Abby pinning the detective to the windowsill sill is one of the greatest movie scenes I have ever seen. That whole scene for when he walks into the apartment until the time he is shot by Abby is suspenseful. It just had me on the edge of my seat. I wasn't sure where it was going. When she kills Lauren and then calls out Marty's name, that is the first time during this movie that I realized she was innocent. The, the movie had me. I had her pinned as the bad guy, as her setting this entire thing up, and it wasn't she truly thought it was marty on the other side of the door this was my first watch of this movie i truly enjoyed it it is a four out of five for me um other than the maltese falcon these are the only two movies i've ever seen of this style really enjoyed it i will be checking out some of the other ones that you have uh, recommended and talked about i really appreciate you doing this for us it was really a good time you take care
0: And thanks very much to Christine for submitting in that review. Hopefully, you'll take part in the rest of the series as well. And let's jump to our final review, which comes in from David Gannett Jr., who says...
1: Hello, Duncan and t Puts Collective listeners. David Garrett Jr. here once again for where to begin with film noir and neo-noir films. So, I actually have to say that I didn't really know about the movie that was selected, which is the Coen Brothers movie of blood simple i didn't know about this one until well actually duncan when you guys did the coen brothers like retrospective and that was when i first heard this title and i'll be honest i was intrigued to see this because of it being their directorial debut you know feature and everything like that just because i had seen films here and there growing up and you know as an adult i started to seek out more of them but i had a blind spot here of this one and I didn't even necessarily know that this was a neo-noir film until it pretty much fell onto this one here. I do remember you guys probably said something along those lines during that episode, but it had been quite a while and didn't necessarily remember a lot of what was said there. So for this movie here, though, to kind of get into it, we are following some different people. We have Ray, who is portrayed by John Getz, who works for a Julian Marty portrayed by Dan Hedaya. Now, he runs a bar. Marty is married to Abby, portrayed by Francis McDermott. Now, she has an affair with Ray. Marty su- suspects something is up and has a private detective of Lauren Visser, portrayed by E. Emmett Walsh, follow them. They get caught in the middle of the act, or at least the aftermath of it, as Visser takes pictures. Now, there are a lot of bad things and people just making poor decisions that kind of lead everybody down these like dark and deadly paths. So the first thing I should bring up here is the cast. It is interesting to me... To see Get starring as I normally know him as a sleazy side character, and this is probably the youngest I've ever seen him in a movie. And I like his performance as Ray. He distrusts Abby, but still has feelings for her. He does things against his better judgment, and I've actually never seen McDermott this young either. I found her to be quite attractive here. Now she's just an amazing actress, and you can see that shining through with this earlier role, where you know she's going to go on to do some great things. Hadea plays a great jerk and villain here. Someone who steals a show for me, though, is Walsh. He plays a sleazy PI very well. Now, I've seen him more in like a kind of crazy grandfather type role, so it's kind of fun to see him. I mean, he's not young looking here, but just being kind of villainous in his own type of way as he kind of cuts corners and does some dirty dealings. So where I should go next would be the Neo-Noir aspects. It is interesting here that we have, you know, a private investigator, but they're not the main character. They are a catalyst, though, to get some of these events going. What works for me is that we have these people thinking they know what is going on and making decisions. I like that we see the smallest things give someone away or make where they could be discovered, and it just throws, like, wrenches in their plans. They try to cover up evidence, but it is harder than you expect. It adds a sense of realism to things, that pulled me in. I also think the Coen brothers knew of film noir works of the past, so they were able to incorporate different things as well as subvert expectations as well. We think that Abby could be a femme fatale. We see that she's actually quite strong and not really bad outside of she's made some bad decisions. If anything, Ray has a darker side with some of the things he does to protect himself and in turn her, and I like that aspect. And I mean, we also have Marty who is just, he's one of those guys that wants have everything and doesn't necessarily realize some of the bad things he does or if he does he just doesn't really care and it throws things into kind of disarray so what i will say then is that this is a well-made movie i think the filmmaking is showing that the coen brothers have talent cinematography is well done i think the soundtrack fits what was needed as it builds tension i just enjoyed my time with this one overall so my rating here for blood simple is going to be a four out of five on the t-put scale And then for the next episode, Duncan, is a movie that I had actually never heard of, which is kind of interesting because this would have been right around the time that I was graduating high school and, I mean, I guess I had knew who Robert Downey Jr. was ahead of this because I had seen, I, I actually had never watched really many of the Brat Pack movies that featured him, but I had seen the one comedy with Rodney Dangerfield in college and everything like that. So I'm definitely curious to check this movie out. Don't think there's anything else I need to say here outside of can't wait to hear everybody else's thoughts on Blood Simple. This is David Garrett Jr. and I am signing off.
0: And thanks very much to David Garrett Jr. for his review there. And there we go. Now, we've just covered Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and you guys are up next for that To get your review of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang into me for the next episode, it needs to be submitted no later than Monday the 14th of November. We'll be dropping the episode on Sunday the 20th of November. So Monday 14th November to get your review in to take part on the next episode for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Episode number nine will feature us dipping our toe into the more horror aspects of noir with a movie which... It doesn't always get considered noir, and I like to blur the lines as much as possible, but we're going French. It's Les De Um I cannot wait to not only watch this movie again, it's been several years since I broke up in the old Criterion, but yeah, hearing your guys' reviews as well, hugely, hugely influential movie um, and also in the grand tradition you wouldn't have like uh Fritz Lang's M for example if that movie wasn't around uh, Lady Balik would not exist and um, we recently on the Teapots Collective um, you know d- d- like have branched out into doing Chronicle where we're looking at European horror movies and it's one that I had planned to cover there but have held back to do here Interestingly enough, on Movie Club for the podcast Under the Stairs, we also covered Night of the Hunter, which came out the same year. So there was something in the water in 1955. So, yeah, episode number nine, Les Diaboliques, will be our movie from 1955. You guys will be covering Kiss Kiss Bang Bang from 2005. And you're getting your reviews in no later than Monday, the 14th of November. Thanks to everyone who took part in this episode. This is where we're doing movie club now, so I'm kind of hoping over time we get more voices and more reviews because that's the fun of this series. So all that is left for me to say is please take care of yourselves out there and I will speak to you next time.